The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome in to the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. And Aaron, Christmas is past. Happy holidays, everyone. The new year is right around the corner, and we're doing what we always do. We are giving you exactly what you need. And that is, of course, another edition of the Punt and Pass Podcast. Podcast, Aaron, dude, we are over 115,000 downloads on the Punt and Pass podcast, and we've got a special episode today. It's our New Year's Six edition. That's right. The college football playoffs are here. It's our New Year's Six edition. We are breaking down the Cotton Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, Orange Bowl, Peach Bowl, Rose Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl, we're going to give you what we think will happen. We'll tell you what exactly is going to happen, and we can go from there. Holler at us on social media, Aaron. Everybody's done a really good job of this over the past couple weeks. Wishing us every, everyone a happy holidays and Merry Christmas. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram, puntandpass at gmail.com. Aaron is at AaronMurray11, and I am at DrewButler13. How about our... Uh, how about our punt and pass pick'em league for the bowl mania on ESPN.com? I'm not doing too well, but dude, we almost have 300 entries, and one of our uh, one of our listeners, Aaron, big dog fan two, I think is his entry name. He's in like the 100th percentile. He's absolutely killing it. So it's fun to see how everybody's doing, and the bowl games are just getting started to uh, really ramp up here. How are how are you doing in that league? Yeah, I started off strong, but now I'm I'm not doing too hot at the moment. Dang, Josh Rosen last night for UCLA, not playing because of two concussions in four weeks. So that kind of hurt them a little bit going against Kansas State. They lost, hurt me. I had UCLA winning that game, was looking forward to a nice performance by him to kind of finish off probably his last game as a Bruin, but didn't play, hurt him, hurt me in my league right now. So I think I'm at nine at the moment. So I am, it's been rough so far. So I'm hoping for a good second half of the, of the bowl season so I can get some wins. I know, dude. I'm at nine also. That's in the 80th percentile, so not too good. But, yeah, big dog fan, 66 is in the 100th percentile. And then a handful of people are in 99.7 percentile. So keep checking. Uh, if you go to our punt and pass podcast, pick them league on ESPN.com for Capital One Bowl Mania. Keep tabs on how everybody's doing. And, again, the top three finishers will win 
prizes, and it's only going to get better as New Year's Day is right around the corner. So, Aaron, you and I talked about how we wanted to do this. I know schedules are crazy because you're traveling. You're in New York right now about to do some studio work with CBS Sports Network. Uh, Then you're heading out to Arizona with Sharon, and then you're going to Pasadena for the Rose Bowl. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to break down the college football playoff New Year's Six Bowl games, the big games that matter most against the best teams in the nation. And and later on in this episode, we're going to get into the semifinal games, which of course are the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. But for right now, let's start it off. Friday, December 29th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN, the New Year's Six gets started off with the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. This is at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. This puts together number eight USC, who's eleven and two against number five Ohio State. They are eleven and two as well. The line here, Ohio State is a seven and a half point favorite. The over under is sixty-four and a half. And keep in mind the USC Trojans are Pac twelve champions. Ohio State Buckeyes are Big Twelve champions. Usually Pac twelve and Big Ten, excuse me, not Big Twelve, is a Rose Bowl matchup, but with the Rose Bowl being a semifinal game. We get a sweet matchup to kick off the New Year's Six Bowl games. Cotton Bowl, Trojans versus Buckeyes, Sam Darnold versus JT Barrett. What are you expecting to see here? I feel like this is a really good matchup to kick off uh, what should be an awesome couple of days of bowl games. Yeah, it's exciting. This is a fun game to get things going. Just because, first off, when you just look at the matchup, USC, Ohio State, just the excitement that's been around these two programs, the tradition, the wins, the championships – it's just, it's exciting. I'm, I'm excited to watch this one. And then also two great quarterbacks, as you alluded to Sam Darnold, JT Barrett, both having great years, but I got to give the edge to Sam Darnold a little bit. I think Rocky began the season, a lot of interceptions was inaccurate. I think you have to put a lot of that on the fact that he was the Heisman favorite early on. He was anticipated to be the number one draft pick in this year's draft, which I'm sure he's looking at it just like Josh Rosen is saying, Hey, I don't know if I want to be the first pick in the draft. I don't know if I want to go to Cleveland. So it'll be interesting to see if these guys do decide to stay for another year, which honestly, I think both those guys, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold could benefit greatly from coming back for another year, coming back, get those extra reps, become a little bit more accurate. I think both those guys were a little inaccurate at times throughout the season, a little bit, uh, throwing too many interceptions. So Sam, has had a better second half of the season. I thought he's controlled the ball a little bit better. I think he's gotten a little bit more comfortable with his receivers, his running backs, his tight ends, because when you look at it, he lost a lot last year. Look at Juju right now for the yeah. Pittsburgh Steelers has just balling out. He was his main guy last year. Now he's gone. There are a couple more. So he's done a great job settling back in 11 and two. They've won their conference and and I think he it's it's mainly him, his better play the second half of the season. And I look for him to continue to get better and better. And I think he's going to have a great game because, one, he knows he wants to win this game. It's a big bowl game. And, two, this is an opportunity for him to go out there and shine in front of all these scouts because, like I said, Josh Rosen did not play in last night's bowl game. That one more opportunity to get in front of all these scouts and play. Sam Darnold does have this opportunity now to go out there, finish off his career strong at USC, and also, there's going to be a ton, a ton of scouts. I mean, these yeah, big bowl God, games, yeah. the thing is, all the scouts are going to be there. So he's going to have an opportunity to shine when the lights are brightest in front of all these guys and hopefully improve his draft stock some too. So I'm looking for him to have a big day. JT Barrett, though, on the other side, has done a tremendous job. He is healthy. 
in their championship game. He was not healthy, had surgery, I believe on Sunday, Yeah, had a turnaround play six days later, which is no tall task. I know it wasn't a major surgery, but it still throws your week off a little bit, had a decent game. He was a little inaccurate at times. So look for him to now that he's fully healthy. He's had a month off to kind of heal up, look for him to have a better day, distribute the ball to his playmaker. So it's going to come down to defense who can get some turnovers defensively. Uh, I think he's going to win this one because both teams right now offensively have been moving the ball really well for the majority of the year. Yeah, and Sam Donald, USC's quarterback, was prone to turnovers and mistakes earlier in the season, but you said he's been playing a lot more consistently. He's gotten a lot more comfortable with the receiving core and the running backs behind him. I think mostly it goes towards Clay Helton, the the head coach at USC. He's done a lot better job getting everybody ready week in and week out. I think everybody's a lot more comfortable with what to expect when it comes to game day. So Sam Darnold giving another huge stage as a proving ground for his NFL draft prospects. I would assume, barring something crazy, that he will certainly start in this game, unlike Josh Rosen last night who said, I'm not going to play. I understand he had the concussions, but Darnold will be there. JT Barrett will be there. And my whole thing is this, Ohio State – Do they want to make a statement to the college football playoff committee and show that they were snubbed from the semifinal games? Remember, they beat an undefeated Wisconsin team in the Big Ten championship and really just had no shot of jumping Alabama to get into that four seed for the college football playoffs. So Ohio State's going to want to make a statement. I think Sam Darnold will be able to make a statement. These are two high-powered offenses colliding. USC is riding a five-game winning streak. Ohio State's been inconsistent all season long. So what gives? Are you expecting uh, Ohio State to have that inconsistent game You know where they lost by 30-plus to Iowa, where they got smoked by Oklahoma? Or can they put it together and continue off uh, their Big Ten championship? I think they can put it together. I think when you, you want to look at the, the championship game versus Wisconsin— what they did defensively, obviously, getting two interceptions from Alex Hornibrook, who actually had a really, really bad Horny game. But still a great def- the great defenses will bring the, the worst out of you, especially at the quarterback position. And they did a great job stopping the run. Taylor, Jonathan Taylor, the freshman phenom from Wisconsin, had an unbelievable season versus Ohio State in that championship game, only 41 yards rushing. So if they're able to do that to USC, if they're able to stop the run, make it a one-dimensional offense, make it to put the ball in Sam Darnold's hand where he's having to throw the ball a lot, because they got a good running game, USC. Jones, the second, 1,400 yards rushing, 18 touchdowns. So once again, Ohio State's faced with a very talented running attack. They've proven they could stop it. If they're able to do that, I think early on, put USC in some third and longs, make Sam Darnold be accurate throughout this entire game, play mistake-free football. I think that's where Ohio State must win this game, in the trenches. They got a great defensive line. If they can, like I said, stop the run early, make Sam Darnold beat you with his arm. And, and like I said, he's a, he's a dang good quarterback. He's accurate. He's big. He's strong. He can do it. I don't know if he can do it for all four quarters against a great Ohio state defense. So that's where I think this game will be won. I think Ohio state's defense is better than USC's Aaron. If you listen to the national media all season long, all they could talk about was the big 10, the big 10, the big 10. I don't think Sam Darnold can expose Ohio state's defense I think Ohio State wins this game, and I think they win by more than a touchdown. So I'm going to lay the points here. I'm going to pick Ohio State minus 7.5, and and I think the Big Ten gets off to a good start in these near six bowl games. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to 
take Ohio State, cover the points. They're going to, uh, I think they're going to do well. Like I said, I think they're going to play good, good enough defensively that Sam Darnold is going to have a little bit of a rocky start. I think he may throw an interception. And I think JT Barrett's going to do enough. He's a fifth year senior. He's been in a lot of bowl games. They were embarrassed last year, absolutely embarrassed last year versus oh Clemson. So I think I Urban wants that. to get back. Yeah, he, Urban wants to get back out there a little bit, prove that his guys can play well in these big time bowl games against teams out of conference. And then, like you said it, which I completely agree, they want to show to the country, to these guys voting in the playoff committee, that they deserved a spot in those in those final four. So I think they're going to come out hungry, looking for some vengeance, and uh, they're going to have a good game. So I got Ohio State winning it. All right, we start off on the same page. The next game is Saturday, December 30th at 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Keep in mind, ESPN paid probably a boatload of money. I don't know the exact figure to have every single New Year's Six game on their network. So this one's December 30th, 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. This is the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl at the University of Phoenix Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Number 11 Washington Huskies, who are 10-2 and two. Take on the number nine Penn State Nittany Lions. They are 10 and 2. Also, Penn State's a two point favorite. The over under here, a bit on the lower side, just 45 points. Quick look, Aaron. These are very evenly matched teams when you look at points per game scored and points per game allowed. And two preseason Heisman hopefuls facing off Washington's quarterback, Jake Browning, against Penn State's running back. Saquon Barkley. Uh, this will be a fun one to watch. If you if you've watched Penn State at all this season, you got to look straight at twenty six and go, man, this dude can take over a football game. That being Saquon Barkley. Yeah, Saquon definitely can, and and Jake Browning. I, I kind of I don't feel bad for the kid. He's had two great years heading into this season. Been very accurate, throwing a lot of touchdowns, and and he had a good year. Don't get me wrong. He was eighteen touchdowns, five interceptions. But he lost a lot. He lost a lot on the outside. Most of his receivers either graduated or went on to the NFL last year. So he was working with a brand new group of guys. Has done well, though. Uh, their biggest thing is their defense. Their defense has been playing great. And yeah. like you said, it both teams are pretty much identical. Washington giving up 14 and a half points per game. Penn State giving up 15 and a half per, points per game. So really two teams, when you look, look at them on paper, like you said, it pretty much identical. It's going to come down to at the end of the day. Can they stop the big boy at running back? Can Barkley get going? Because you've seen him this season where he's having a great game where he'll have a kickoff return. He'll have 100, 150 yards rushing, a couple of touchdowns. And then you turn on the TV and he's only, you know, midway through the first quarter, first first half, only like 10, 15 yards rushing, finish the day off with 50, 60 yards rushing. So what guy are you going to get? Yeah. And I think it comes down to Trace McSurley. Can he be accurate. I think he's, he's a fun guy. He's exciting to watch. He brings a lot of energy. He's able to move around the pocket. He's able to keep plays alive, but he needs to be more and more accurate. I don't think he's been very accurate this season. When I turn on the film kind of has a funky delivery, he get, he's high in a lot of balls. He dips his shoulder a little bit too much. So if he's able to be accurate early, get that defense to back up a little bit, make it so they're, they're playing two high safeties. They're not able to bring a third safety down in the box to stop the run. I think that's when Penn State has opportunity to make some big plays, especially in the run game. So we'll see if Washington's defense can handle the big guy. Uh, they played Sanford earlier in this year, and they couldn't do it versus Bryce Love. I think Bryce Love had over 150 yards running the football. Uh, so it's been proven that you can run against this defense. 
Uh, and that's the game that Sanford ended up di- did beat Washington earlier this season. Yeah, McSorley... McSorley's going to have to keep Washington's defense honest. He's going to have to start out and with a balanced attack, for sure. You just said so they can't bring the safety down, so they can't just absolutely load the box and stop Saquon Barkley. But when we were doing our show prep, Aaron, one thing really jumped out to me, and that's the statistical comparison between Washington's running back, Miles Gaston, Gaskin, excuse me, and Saquon Barkley, I'm going to go stat heavy for a second, but Saquon had 199 carries for 1,134 yards and 16 touchdowns. Miles Gaskin for Washington, 208 carries, 1,282 yards and 19 touchdowns. So t- statistically, Washington's running back, Miles Gaskin, better and, and by a pretty good margin than Saquon Barkley. It'll be interesting to see if Jake Browning relies heavily on Gaskin to keep that balanced approach against Penn State's defense, but they are no slouches on the other side of the ball as well. McSorley and Barkley against Washington defense is the matchup of the game, and you just alluded to what McSorley does best. Obviously, you were a statistically better passer than McSorley. The Everything proves that, but McSorley's moxie kind of reminds me of you and how you play the game. He's a playmaker. He can extend plays. He plays with a lot of passion. He can push the ball downfield. Um, I, I like, you know, I was I was a hater against Trace McSorley earlier in the a season. A big yeah. hater earlier. But, I remember uh, that now. After thinking about how much he reminds me of you, I, I'm I'm liking him a bit more. To I my appreciate point, it. though, yeah, and you did that. You did that. So thank you very much. To my point, though, this game is out on the West Coast. It's an easy flight for that Washington fan base to get down to Phoenix from Seattle. (sighs) I picked against the Pac-12 in the Cotton Bowl, going with Ohio State over USC. I'm taking Washington here. Washington was able to get their feet under them last year uh, with some college football playoff experience. Remember, they traveled to the Peach Bowl and took on Alabama. That did not go as well as they wanted it to a year ago. I think they're familiar with West Coast. I think that Penn State's out there celebrating a bit too much. I'm going Washington here. Give me the two points. I think they win outright. Also, Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin are able to put some points on that Penn State defense. And I'm going to go back to what I said, alluded to earlier when Washington did play Stanford. Bryce Love, 166 yards, three touchdowns. It just absolutely shredded them. They Sanford won 30 to 22. I think the same thing is going to happen again tonight or in this game where Penn State's going to be able to establish the run early. Saquon Barkley is going to be dominant. He's going to go show that he's deserving of a top five, top 10 pick to all these scouts. I think he's going to have a great game. I think he's going to have a, over 100 yards. I think he's going to make a splash in the special team somewhere. Okay. He's just too dynamic not to get the ball in his hands. And I think Washington, I, I just like I said earlier, they've been way too one-dimensional this season. Jake Browning has not been the Jake Browning the previous two seasons where he's throwing 30-plus touchdowns. He's just absolutely dominant. He's still a very good quarterback, very accurate. Not the biggest arm in the world. He's not going to wow you with deep balls after deep balls after deep balls. He he wows you with accuracy, with completing these short games. But you need good receivers to win a man-to-man coverage, to win on slants, or win on 12-yard in routes, to win on the six-step speed out. That way, that's where he's at his best. When he's on time, he's in rhythm. Like I said, these short to intermediate passes where he excels, he just doesn't have the studs at receiver this year to help him out like he has in years past. That's why I think they're going to be a little bit more one-dimensional. Gaskin is, as you said, a very good running back, though. 
but I think Penn State's defense is going to step it up. They're going to play well, and I don't think Washington's going to be able to stop the combination of McSorley running around, making plays with his legs, and then Barkley, the big Barkley, going out there and having a great day as well in the run game. Yeah, my X factor here is Chris Peterson, Washington's head coach, with four weeks to prepare. I like what he can draw up, especially to combat um, talents like McSorley and Saquon Barkley. Speaking of Barkley, you said top 10, top 15 pick in the NFL draft next year. That's almost a given. I saw one scout say he's like a combination of Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. I said, well, that's a great combination to have. Those are two of the probably top five running backs how about our boy Todd Gurley right now? Oh, dude, MVP. MVP? I, I think oh. so. I think after what he did last week, mm-hmm. nearly 300 yards from scrimmage, pretty much having the team on his back on the road to get a much-needed victory to shore up the NSC West. You know, you could go straight to Tom Brady if you want to. Carson Wentz, if he was healthy, was probably going to be the MVP. But if they can finish off the season with another victory and win 12 games, think about how bad bad the Rams offense was just yeah but I don't know how much are they going to play him you know is it really that much for them to yeah I don't risk him getting hurt no that they need to put him out there that much yeah but you know if they lose the game you know 11 and 5 looks a lot different than 12 and 4 and when you go 12 and 4 an absolute flip of what happened a year ago I think they were 4 and 12 a year ago dude it's all because of Todd Gurley I mean Jared Goss had a great season as well but Sean McVay Todd Gurley Jared Goff, they are kind of like the Cinderella story right now in the NFL. Well, they got so much talent. I mean, you look oh, at them. It's crazy. In, in years past, they've had a great defense. They got a great defensive line, um, a great secondary, great, great linebackers. Line. I mean, they, great, great defense. They just haven't had an offense. They don't have the. They haven't had the offensive coaches to really go out there, be creative, game plan. And all of a sudden, you get McVay in there, a really a, an unbelievable offensive coach. Then you get some great talent. They got a great tight end. They got some great receivers. They've got some guys in the offseason at the offensive line. And then Jared Goff took that next step this year to take the load off Todd Gurley and really get those safeties, those linebackers, to not be so downhill on the run. And that's just only allowed Todd to excel. I think the passing games excelled. Um, I'm sorry for going off on a tangent with NFL football. But I definitely think Todd is is the guy this year, MVP-wise. Completely agree. If Carson was healthy... The year Carson's had yeah. this year, I think, is unbelievable. Uh, his leadership, his ability to make plays with his legs, with his arms. And then, obviously, the Eagles have been just kicking butt. They're going to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. But with him missing the past three or four weeks, I definitely think the next guy in line has got to be Todd. Obviously, Tom's had a great year, uh, Tom Brady at New England. But give it to someone new. Give it to the big guy. He's done it all. Catching the ball, running the ball, really been uh, the heart and soul of that team. Give me, to end this tangent, and I, I appreciate you taking me on this tangent because that's a, a good thought process there. I think Todd Gurley is extremely worthy of winning the NFL MVP this year. Give me your two Super Bowl teams because I feel like it's so up in the air at this point right now. I want your NFC and your AFC teams that will be in the Super Bowl. All right, Super Bowl, let me think here. Oh, man. I have, I got the... The Minnesota Vikings. I like it. You like Case Keenum, though. I like Case Keenum. I like their defense. I think they have a great defense. Obviously, they'll yes, be they do. most likely on the road for that NFC Championship game if the Eagles continue to win out. I just don't think the Eagles this past week offensively really excited me. 
Uh, obviously, you got Carson Wentz in there. I think it's a, a surefire thing. They have a good defense. No doubt. With him back there, quarterback, I think they go all the way. I think Minnesota, they'll have home field advantage. And, and who knows if Philadelphia will be able to win that first playoff game after their bye to even continue yep. to. So Minnesota could have home field advantage throughout in and the Dome. The and then, dome. And then yeah. in the Super Bowl. Never happened before. That's never, never happened, happened before. before. So I think, I think Minnesota, between the great defense, I think Case Keenum does a great job of just taking what defenses give him. And then the AFC, uh, I think Pittsburgh is 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 the best team, but I think the fact that they lost to New England and now they the way they did, and now they have to go to New England to play in the game. I think if, if it was the roles were flipped, I think if if New England had to go back to Pittsburgh and play in that game to go to the Super Bowl, I think I would pick Pittsburgh. But the fact home field advantage, playoff football, Tom Brady, I'm going to go with the Patriots uh, taking it all the way. Versus Minnesota, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, this is this is funny because I almost see the Case Keenum situation um, and Minnesota's defense kind of like what Georgia's been compared to because everybody talks about oh Jake from this, Jake from that, and Jake just continues to prove the haters wrong. And Case Keenum has done that week in and week out for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think the Eagles can make it to the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz. I do like the Vikings defense you know is it the Rams can the Rams go on the road and put up a big number on someone like the Eagles or the Vikings the Saints you know I mean the Saints are really good the Panthers have been on a roll I know dude I know um you know what I'm gonna do I'm going hot hand here and a lot of Atlanta Falcon fans will not like to hear me say this but I'm picking the Saints to represent the NFC because their defense is much improved from a year ago and um, I'll go Saints Steelers, and that'll be a All right. yeah Saints Steelers. Nice. I like hey. it. All right, a little Super Bowl talk right there from Punting Pass. Love it, love it. Hey, next game, Aaron. This one's on Saturday, December thirtieth, as well. It's at eight p.m. again on ESPN. It's the Capital One Orange Bowl. Number six, Wisconsin's twelve and one. They're playing number ten, Miami, who is ten and two. Wisconsin, the six-point favorite. The over/under again is on the low side. It's just forty-five points, and Miami's riding a two-game losing streak heading into this game. They lost to Pitt on Thanksgiving weekend and got their asses kicked by Clemson in the ACC championship game. This is the Big Ten runner-up against the ACC runner-up. Did Wisconsin get snubbed from the college football playoff? They have to prove themselves on a big stage. Yeah, they really do. I got, I got, I really like Miami in this one. I think their defense, I think the turnover chain is going to be coming out okay. heavy. Okay. It's going to be coming out off. I think it's going to make a big splash to finish the exciting season off for the Miami hurricanes. Alex Hornibrook, you dude, he just, he, he makes me mad every time I say his name, just his performance <laughs> in the championship game. Hornibrook. Just make complete some passes. And I think, I think Miami understands the fact that they're just going to go out there. They're going to play heavy man to man coverage. They're going to load the box. They're going to find a way to stop Jonathan Taylor, who Ohio State completely shut down in that game. And that's the key. Shut him down. Put the ball in Alex Hornibrook's hands. He's not the type of quarterback that's going to win you a football game by any means. So I think that's what Miami's going to do. I think they're good enough defensively. Maybe not as good, maybe not as physical up front as, say, Ohio State. But I think they're good enough to stop the run early. They did it versus Clemson. They did stop the run. It's just Kelly Bryant, the quarterback, had a great day. But... Kelly Bryant is 10 times better than Alex Hornibrook. So I think they're going to put the ball in his hands, make it third and long. 
Hornibrook's going to throw two or three interceptions. He's going to get flustered. The turnover chain is going to scare him. He's already having nightmares about it. So I like Miami in this game. I, I agree. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Wisconsin, obviously, a very good defense uh, for themselves. Miami, Rogier, I don't like their offense at the moment. But I like their defense to get maybe two or three turnovers, a couple interceptions, maybe a pick six, and that's going to be the difference in this game. All right, so you're taking the six points, and you think Miami is going to win outright. I'm a bit hesitant here. You know, I've been picking against Miami the past two times that they've played, and I've been proven correct. I'm simply stating this a must win for Coach Richt and Miami. Three losses to finish the season would leave a horrible taste in just about everybody's mouth who cares about Miami football. Keep in mind, they made it to number two in the nation when they were undefeated on Thanksgiving week. Again, they lost to Pitt, and then they got schlacked by Clemson. Wisconsin has a good defense. Now, I know they played in the Big Ten against some porous offenses, but they only allow 13 points per game and 253 yards per game. I don't see... Just in my prognostication of the Orange Bowl, I don't see how Miami can put up a big number on offense without the turnover chain making a huge difference in the game. And to be quite frank, Aaron, it has not made a gigantic difference really since that Notre Dame game back in middle November where they won 41-8. to And then keep in mind, they almost lost to Virginia at home, save it for the turnover chain who scored 14 points for them, I I don't want to pick a Big Ten team again. I really don't. But, but Aaron, I'm going with Wisconsin. Wisconsin's going to cover the six points. I don't see how Miami can make a big, big difference in this game without a lot of help by way of turnovers. And I think they're going to get some help turnover with the turnover. I think they're going to, like I said, a couple of interceptions. I just don't think, I think that it's been proven how to beat Wisconsin. You're going to have to, you're not going to score a lot of points. It's a great defense, both. It's going to be a defensive struggle. I think it's going to be one of those 17, 14 games, super low scoring. It's going to be very low, like a 10 to seven at halftime. Okay. Uh, maybe a late field goal wins this thing. I think it's just too, I think, it comes back to quarterback play at the end of the day. You need a great quarterback to be a very successful team. Yep. Neither team has a great quarterback at the end of the day. Neither one has a guy who's going to be able to put the team on his back, go down there, lead a drive to win a football game, that kind of thing. They just don't have the moxie. They don't have the ability. So really two run-heavy offenses going against two very good defenses and two defenses that can't stop the run. That's why I think it's going to be extremely low score. And I think whatever quarterback, and both these quarterbacks have been prone to throwing interceptions this year. Both of them have had games where they've thrown two, three interceptions. What quarterback can be accurate? What quarterback can not turn the ball over and just have the game of his life kind of kind of day? They just need these guys to step up because the run game, getting those running yards is going to be tough to get. Uh, and that's the reason why I like Miami. I think Rogier is a little bit. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he is better than Hornybrook. Um, like I said, not a big fan of Alex Hornybrook at all. So that's why Miami, the turnover chain will come back in full force this game. And you're going to see it often uh, throughout that game. All right. So to simplify, you like Malik Rozier over Alex Hornibrook, and I like Miami not scoring off turnovers. That's pretty much what the uh, what the decision on that game was. So I lay the points. Wisconsin minus six. Aaron's taking him. Thinks Miami's going to win 
outright to New Year's Day, Aaron. It's going to be an awesome day, jam-packed of a lot of good football. I feel like this game I'm about to talk about is very, very underrated at the moment. This game is on January 1st at 12.30 p.m. on ESPN. It's at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. It's the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, number 12, Central Florida. Undefeated at 12-0 is taking it on number 7, Auburn. They are 10-3 and coming off that loss in the SEC Championship game. Auburn is a 9.5-point favorite. The over-under here is 67 points. Can Central Florida, undefeated UCF, send off Scott Frost with another win, Aaron? Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, I I like him a lot. And, and Auburn has seen this type of offense all year long, just based in practice. They've seen in spring, they've seen in the camp. They understand the spread up tempo type of offense that wants to have four, three wide, do the zone read option, do the RPO, the run pass option off of it as well. So it's not like they're playing this, this, this offense that they haven't seen. They've seen it plenty. A lot of teams are going to this style and, and they've seen it all year long. So they're, they're at a huge advantage. I think the advantage is, is at the offensive line, defensive line. That's where UCF is, is going to be hurting a little bit. Yeah, they have speed. Yeah, they have the ability, the playmaking ability at receiver, at running back. Mackenzie Milton, I think, is a very talented quarterback. I think they even have some great defensive guys. They got some great linebackers, some big guys up front, some 300 pounders, a couple very good def- defensive backs. I just think Auburn's defensive line versus UCF's offensive line is where this game is going to be won. I think they're too dominant. They're too big. They're too physical. I think they're pissed off. I think they want to show because if, if, if they get beat up up front by this UCF offense, that is a huge loss, not only for them, but for the sec, because that's what the sec prides himself on the defensive and offensive lines being dominant up front. And like they say to all these, these big 10 schools, these big 12 schools, these pac 12 schools, yeah, you have all these high flying offenses and you guys score 40, 50 points a game. That's because no one can dominate at the line of scrimmage like an SEC defensive line can. And I think that's where they'll win this game. They're going to stop the run early. They're going to be able to get from Mackenzie Milton. He's going to have two, three seconds to get the ball out of his hands. I don't think it's enough time. That's why I think Auburn is going to win this game. And then also you got to, you got a healthy carry on Johnson. Yeah. A guy who he's had a month now to get back feeling good. Jared Stenham, still a very talented quarterback, going to be able now to have his running back back there. I think he'll be a little bit more comfortable. I think he'll have plenty of time in the pocket. I mean, look at UCF. They have not played well, too well defensively these past few weeks. USF, they gave up 42 points. Memphis, they gave up 55 points in two overtimes. So you're, we're not talking about a very dominant UCF defense here. And those aren't dominant. I mean, they're dominant offenses, but they're not a dominant running offense like Auburn has where they have a big running back. That's going to continue to pound you eat up the clock. That's why I like Auburn in this one. I think they're going to prove why the sec is still dominant and it starts with the offense and defensive line. So tell me this, obviously UCF is going into this game, knowing how good Auburn's front seven and specifically defensive line is. What is Scott Frost going to draw up from an offensive standpoint in order to neutralize that front four right does he attack the perimeter does he spread them out and try to go east to west to get north and south because if they try to run the ball up the middle there's no way they're going to be able to do that and they're going to be getting off the field 
pretty damn quickly. How well, does Scott Frost start out the game? Give me the first three plays of Scott Frost's game. You, you have to, you have to run the ball. Yeah. And that's it. I think that's what something Georgia did. And they understand that they, they ran the ball and then they started doing the play action, play action from under center. They started doing play action from the gun. You get those defense alignment to start hesitating. All of a sudden you get them to question. Do I go full speed after the quarterback? Do I need to hesitate? Maybe is a run. So I think the RPOs, the play action out of the gun, any way to slow the defense down, get those guys to tick their feet for just a split second to allow those one-on-one matchups on the outside. Because I think UCF can has the ability at the receiving position, maybe get Adrian Killens in the slot one-on-one with a linebacker, with a safety, utilize his speed against an Auburn defensive backfield. That's not great. Their strength is a front seven. So if you can find a way just to get those guys, like I said, to tick their feet, with the use of play action, I think that's when you can see some big plays open up downfield. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia utilized it in the first game. They just couldn't connect on the deep passes. The second game from was a lot more accurate, but the thing is they, 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 they have to use that first quarter, that second quarter say, Hey, listen, we may not be able to dominate the run game. We might be able to get five, six, seven yards a pop. Maybe we're getting two, three yeah. yards, get the third and manageable. And then they got a great tight end. UCF has a great tight end. Maybe get the ball in his hands early and often against some linebackers and one-on-one matchups. But then the second, third, and fourth quarter, then you're going to be able to start utilizing the play-action passes, maybe get some jet sweeps, some reverses, anything to get those guys, like I said, just to pause for a split second, and, and that's the way they can win offensively. You've been a big proponent of that all season long, though, against top defenses. Two- and three-yard gains on first and second down are not failures. It does not have to be feast and f- feast or famine. Get into third and manageable and then open up the playbook from there. I think that's a great chance for UCF if they're able to do that. A few more quick questions for you here. Okay. If Auburn loses, give me a yes or no. Would the SEC ever hear the end of it? No, there's no chance that they would hear the end of it. Um, especially, it's not like they're, yeah, they're not losing to a, a major power five conference here. I mean, they're losing to a UCF team who they are a good football team. They are a very good football team. They have a lot of talent. When you're at UCF, you're able to recruit a lot of those second tier guys, but there's just so much talent in the state of Florida that these guys are still really good. Maybe they had some academic problems. Maybe they were late bloomers who all of a sudden had a great senior season, but all these Florida's Florida States, Miami's the world, their classes were already filled up. So they, Hey, I want to stay in state. Let's go to USF. Let's go to UCF. So that's when they get those guys, like I said, late bloomers, maybe a little bit of academic problems, uh, maybe some transfers, those kind of things. So a lot of talent there. I think they have a great, great coach, Scott Frost, who's just had a tremendous year, obviously has won a ton of awards, but still you're an SEC football team. You're a really good SEC football team. You beat Alabama. You beat Georgia once this year. Uh, really, really talented at all phases of the game. So yeah, if they lose, that's a huge, huge loss, not only for them as a program, for, but for the SEC as a total. And that's going to hurt as talks go into next year about who the best conference is, yeah. who's deserving of making these big bowl games, who's deserving of making it to the playoffs. Uh, and when you can go back and talk about, hey, a US, UCF team beat Auburn in a New Year's Six Bowl is not a good look at all, and I'm sure that's been preached to those guys all month heading into this game. Good or bad comparison? 2007 Sugar Bowl, Georgia takes on an undefeated Hawaii team and blasts them 41-10, most notably because of their defense and their running game, which is exactly what Auburn has going for them uh, up against Central Florida. Does Auburn have the ability to beat UCF by 30-plus? 
I don't think 30 plus. I, I think, I think you look back at that Hawaii team, obviously they played in a very weak conference. I think UCF has played some better competition when it comes to USF, when it comes to Memphis teams like that, where I think you can say, okay, we've, we've, they have a better, better body of work that you can look back on and just, it's proven. I think it's proven that these guys are a better football team than Hawaii was when they played Georgia. Uh, and also I think Auburn right now, a little bit inconsistent towards the end of the season right now, obviously with the big loss where Georgia was really hitting it hot at the end of that season. Sure. They were on a roll. They were in the mix of maybe even being the national championship game. I think they were just riding high where Auburn right now, they're a little banged up. They should be getting a little bit healthier, but they're not, they don't have as much juice after losing that SEC championship game, especially the way they did lose it. Uh, and I just think Scott Frost is a great football coach. I think he'll have that team ready to compete, ready to rock and roll. That's why I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it will be a win. I think Auburn will, will cover. I think they'll win by okay. 10, okay. 10 to 14, but UCF will, will be able to, to score the point points. They will be able to move the ball at times during this game. Uh, I just don't think it's good enough. I think Auburn is going to dominate with carry on Johnson offensively and defensively. They're going to get too many stops. Yeah, I think Auburn controls the ball, tries to keep it out of central Florida's hands. And I think they cover as well. So I like your expertise on this one, Aaron. I'm going with you. I'm laying the points. Auburn wins by 10 to 14 points and if they do win Aaron get this Auburn would become the first team in college football history to beat three different teams in the same season that were nine and zero or better so that is a gigantic accomplishment and uh I guess that's why Gus Malzahn got a big fat contract extension so I think that's an underrated bowl game I know based off how you just talked about it and how I talked about it I will be tuning in well I think I don't know if it's underrated I think that's gonna be one of the most watched games because okay. it is a, an Auburn team versus UCF, the, the the Cinderella, you can say, the team that went 12 and 0, the excitement and and the, and the talk about, hey, should we should we maybe make it an eight game bowl bowl game or you know playoffs playoff yeah eight team playoffs that you can see one of these Cinderellas because that's a, that's the one fun thing about obviously college basketball that Cinderella story the, these these low seeded teams that get into this the the Sweet 16 the Elite Eight. Do we want that in football where you get a UCF, a Boise State to be able to compete for a national championship, to get in those playoffs, to see how these guys face against the big boys? And I think there's a huge game, not only for them, but all these small conferences to prove that they can handle it. I think Boise State proved it a few years ago when they went on the run and won all those Fiesta Bowls. I think if UCF wins right now, it's only going to only be more power for the talk about maybe getting eight, eight teams in the playoffs eventually. You could not be more right. Absolutely. Okay, next game. We're staying on January 1st. It's on Monday. This one's at 5 p.m. on ESPN. It is the Rose Bowl game presented by Northwestern Mutual at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. It is the first college football playoff semifinal game of the season. Number three, Georgia Bulldogs, the SEC champions who are 12-1, and one, are taking on the number two, Oklahoma Sooners, the Big 12 champions who are also 12-1. and one. Georgia's a two-point favorite. The over-under here is 60 points. And Aaron, I think this is a great matchup. You have one of the best defenses in all of college football going up against probably the top playmaker in all of college football, Heisman winning quarterback, Baker Mayfield. The line opened with Georgia being a three-point underdog. Now the dogs 
are a two-point favorite. Vegas knows best, and Vegas also knows that Georgia would be underdogs to both Alabama and Clemson, but luck of the draw here, Georgia's a favorite. I think this is a great matchup for the dogs. I think it's a great matchup, and and obviously you said that you're excited about this game. I think everyone is. These are the best four teams in the country throwing in the Alabama Clemson game. It's just it's going to be an exciting game. I can't wait to get there to Pasadena and watch this thing. But can Georgia's defense stop the Heisen winner? I mean, you want to look at his stats this year. He leads the nation in pass completion, pass completion percentage seventy one percent, pass efficiency rating two hundred three point eight, pass yards attempt, pass yards per attempt eleven point eight completions passes of over 20 yards. I mean, the guy, every stat you want as a quarterback, he is the leader in this country. And I know he's going against these weak defenses where you turn the film. And I, like I, I've said in previous shows, you, you feel like you're watching seven on seven or maybe a, a Thursday or Friday practice where it's scripted to perfection. You want your quarterbacks to go out there and complete every ball to feel good for the game. That's kind of what it looks like. But I tell you what, he is a fun quarterback to watch. I'm really excited to see him up live and close in person, seeing what he can do on the football team against a very good defense, uh, his biggest challenge of the year defensively. But it goes down to his offensive line, and they probably have the best offensive line in all of college football, yes. especially, in, especially in the passing game. And that's the key for a quarterback because he lost a lot last year receiver-wise. They lost a lot of good talent on the outside. Yeah, they have some young guys who have stepped up, had some great seasons. They have an all-American tight end. They have a great running back who who's got past that legal issue, and I think that's awesome that he's he's ready to rock and roll for this game. But the offensive line has done a great job giving Baker five, six seconds, sit in the pocket, allow his guys to get open down the field. And if they're not, he has the ability to maneuver on the pocket. He kind of looks like Brett Favre. He just runs around and then will just fling it off his back foot across the field, one of the worst things you can do as a quarterback, but somehow he continues to manage to, to make completions, to make those those Heisman-like plays over and over every single game. He's going to need to do that once again versus a very good Georgia defense. I was listening to Colin Cowherd, who um, obviously is a shock jock. You could call him a hot take artist at times, and, and he likes Oklahoma to win it all. And this was his reason. He goes, I like, or excuse me, okay, he went to Georgia and said, I don't like Jake Fromm against Alabama's defense, and I don't like Jake Fromm against Clemson's defense. And then he said, and I don't like Jake Fromm against Baker Mayfield. Well, one of those is not like the other, right? Jake Fromm is going to have to either play if they win Alabama or Clemson's defense. Jake Fromm is not playing Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield has to play Georgia's defense. And I went on a rant a couple of weeks ago. I like the better defense when defenses are matched up against offenses, right? When top offenses and defenses go up against each other, especially with Georgia having four weeks to prepare. I know Oklahoma has four weeks to prepare also, but historically it's proven that defenses win championships. And let me just tell you something right here. Okay, Aaron, Georgia is ranked second in the nation in pass yards per game allowed. Georgia is ranked fourth in the nation in total yards per game allowed. Georgia is ranked sixth in the nation in points per game allowed. And I know Oklahoma scores nearly 45 points per game, but you just said, look at who they're playing. And on the flip side, Aaron, before I throw it back to you, I'm going to give you some numbers. You ready? 41 
31, 35, 52, 31. Those are the amount of points that Oklahoma's defense allows, right? That is absolutely insane. It is proven that Oklahoma's defense is not that good. And Georgia has such a strong running game that they are going to control the ball, control the clock, keep it out of Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma's offense's hands, and try to get out of this game by absolutely managing this game much like they did against Auburn in the SEC championship game. I like Georgia here. I like them to cover the two points. I don't think Oklahoma gets to 30 points. I think they score 28 or maybe 30, but I'll say they score 28, and I think Georgia scores 35. I think 35 to 27 is a realistic score. I think 35 to 21 is a realistic score. Georgia wins this ball game handily simply because defenses and running games travel, and that's what Georgia is traveling with. Yeah, it's going to come down to time of possession. Right now, Oklahoma is averaging almost 32 uh, minutes per game, holding onto the football offensively. If Georgia can flip the script a little bit, if, if Georgia has the ball for 32 minutes, 33 minutes, give Oklahoma the ball for, for 28, 27 minutes. I think that is, I think that could be a huge key to this game, staying on the field offensively, establishing the run early. And, and I really like what Jake Fromm's done lately. I think they've done a great job offensively of, of getting the run game going early, just pounding out. Maybe it's not successful early, but and you saw it in the Auburn game. You commit to it early. The offensive line has done a great job of punishing these defensive lines, these linebackers, getting them worn out. Then all of a sudden, the third, the fourth, the fourth quarter come along, and it's kind of like what Alabama's always done. These guys are so worn out, and that's when you start seeing these 50, 60 yard touchdown runs by like guys like DeAndre Swift. The defense is so men- men- mentally and physically worn out at that point of the game that you can just have your way with it offensively, especially from a running game. When you have a three-headed monster like Georgia has, we're able to keep those guys fresh, feeling good the entire game. So I think that's where the key of the game is going to be. Get the run game going early, stay on the field, and then make Oklahoma feel like every time they touch the ball, Baker needs to have a big play. Yeah, he they needs, go he feels like he needs to score every single time he touches it, whether it's a big 40, 50, 60-yard touchdown pass or run. Make them feel like they have to do that each and every time. That's when you're going to see some mistakes maybe happen. But Baker, he really does. He's had a great job of protecting the football. I think he only has five turnovers this year. And you want to talk about a guy that has the ball in his hands a ton, whether it's passing the ball, whether it's running, to only have that few amount of turnovers is very impressive. Uh, but like I said, this is the first time they're actually facing a very legit defense. And then yeah, let's flip the script to Oklahoma's defense. So has been playing better these past few weeks versus the number 11 TCU gave up 17 points. Kansas, who's a, a really bad team. They gave up three TCU again, only gave up 20. And then versus West Virginia, they gave up 31, but that was a blowout game. Things were getting out of hand. They pretty much just gave a few late, but the defense has been getting better each and every week. They've had their moments where they've looked really good. They're going to need that this game versus Georgia. They're going to have to play well defensively. But for Georgia, it's going to be interesting to see offensively if they have the mindset of, hey, let's just let's let's break the huddle. Hey, Jake, let's break the huddle at 12 to 15 seconds. Get to the line of scrimmage. Snap the football with less than five seconds on the play clock. Play keep away. Let's just kill the time possession. Let's get the 33, 34 minutes of time possession. 
get Baker Mayfield pissed off, frustrated that he's not on the field, that he's not in control. And let's see him get, let's let's see him get the, the his emotions get the better of him. Because yeah. when Baker's upset, when he's frustrated, he definitely shows it. And I think if, if I want to see him on the sideline, kind of like a, uh, uh, a Todd Grantham just fuming, just going crazy. <laughs> I love or like it. a Steve Spurrier just ripping the, the visor and throwing it on the ground. I think you get him pissed off because he's not on the field as much as he's used to. I think that is a, a huge must for this Georgia offense. All right, so before you give me your pick, and it's on no, it's been noted that I am taking Georgia to cover, and, and I think they win by 10-plus, okay? Do you buy that Jake Fromm is still a freshman? The national media says this is a true freshman. You know, he, this is a big stage. He might not be ready for it. I say uh, that's a bunch of nonsense, right? He has played in 13 games. He has been in South Bend. He's played at Jordan-Hare. He's won an SEC championship in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't buy that he's still a freshman. I think he's seasoned and he's ready to rock and roll. And again, you just said it. Jim Chaney is going to put together a game plan that will allow him to manage the football game, get out of the huddle with 15 to 12 seconds, and snap the ball with three or two seconds left on the play clock. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, and yeah, I still consider him a freshman, but I think the key is he, he's played in a big-time, almost playoff-like game versus Auburn in the SEC championship game, and he played well. And you want to, you know, let's go back to the NFL for a second. Case Keenum, and a lot of talk is he doesn't have the playoff experience. He hasn't been in these big-time emotional games uh, where teams are playing to their, their peak. Players are taking up another notch. Jake Fromm has. He's played in the SEC championship game, probably the toughest, one of the, the hardest environments to play in against a very good team, probably against a, a 10 times better defense than what he'll face versus Oklahoma. And like we've seen all year long, the offense is not built around him. No. The offense is built around this offensive line about the three-headed monster at running back. And if they continue just to give those guys the ball, get to third and manageable, make the game easier for him, get the ball to the tight end like they did in the SEC championship game, and then utilize the play action pass, be able to get the one-on-one matchups on the outside that I think we can exploit offensively, but he's not going to be asked to do a lot. He's going to throw the ball 20, maybe 25 times this game. Like it's going to be a heavy run game, control the, control the time of possession. So I don't think he's a, I, I think he's a freshman, but he's played in this type of atmosphere. Yes versus Auburn where I think it's kind of second nature to him now and he's proven these these type of games this environment does not get the best of him all right let's hear your pick George is a two-point favorite the over under 60 I have Georgia win this game I have them uh, covering the spread I think the running game if you want to look at Oklahoma's defense all year they've really been killed when teams are able to run downhill get a guy in the gun and just run downhill or get in the eye formation and run downhill they've not seen a georgia offense like this the entire season and georgia's defense they've seen these type of offenses they just played one they played an auburn team that spreads you out that does a zone read that has a mobile quarterback jared Sidham is a very mobile quarterback it's very similar to baker mayfield so they know how to stop this offense oklahoma has not seen a power eye formation they haven't seen a team that can line up be as physical as georgia and then utilize the play action pass off that that's where the big advantage I give the Georgia's offense. So I have Georgia winning. I think the running game is going to have a tremendously huge impact on the day, and I'm excited to see it. Yeah, this by far is the best matchup that Georgia could have gotten. So call it luck of the draw. Call it 
um, whatever you will, but Georgia matches up very well against Oklahoma for reasons that Aaron and I just pointed out, and I think and I know those will come to fruition on New Year's Day at 5 p.m., on ESPN. So after Georgia wins the Rose Bowl and Aaron and I are scrambling for national championship tickets because that game is in our backyard of Atlanta, the All-State Sugar Bowl will be kicking off. This game is at 8.45 p.m. on New Year's Day. It's in New Orleans, Louisiana at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. It's the second college football playoff semifinal game. It's matching up number four Alabama, who's 11-1 and against your ACC champion, number one Clemson Tigers, who are 12-1. and And get this, Aaron, the number one team in the nation is a three-point underdog. That's right. Bama is a three-point favorite. The over-under here is 47 points. It's the rubber match. These two teams have played in the national championship game the past two seasons, Alabama winning the first matchup, Clemson winning the second. Bama's getting healthier, coming off a long break without playing in the SEC championship game. Third matchup in three years. These teams are nearly identical when you look at points per game and points per game allowed. I've been saying all year long, Aaron, if Clemson's healthy, simply put, they're the best team in the nation. Yeah, it's a, this is an awesome game. I'm actually, I think this is by far a better matchup. I don't know if it's as exciting. Obviously, we've talked about the Georgia-Oklahoma matchup where you have two completely different teams. I mean, you could have asked for two uh, teams that are on different ends of the spectrum. And then now you get this, this Alabama-Clemson game where you have two great defenses, you have two quarterbacks that are able to throw the football, but they're at their best when they're moving around, when they're able to be creative with their feet, which puts puts a huge stress on these defenses. So what defense can contain the quarterbacks? What defense can say, we're going to rush four or five. We're going to have a spy. We're going to make Kelly Bryant or, or, or Jalen hurts, throw the football to beat us in this game. Uh, I think that's going to be the key defensively. Find a way to make these quarterbacks one dimensional where they're not going to beat you with their legs because Jalen hurts six in the nation about among quarterbacks and rushing plays over 10 yards this year. He's had 35 rushes for over 10 yards. That's just, that's a killer, especially yeah. when you get an offense to third and long third and manage when all of a sudden a quarterback takes off and runs, gets a first down and you look at the defense and their heads are down. Like, man, we thought we had him in a great position. All of a sudden the, the quarterback takes off runs, gets a first down. And the same thing can happen with Clemson. Kelly Bryant has the ability on those third and long certain manageables to take off running the ball, puts a huge stress. And we saw last year in this game between these two teams, what the quarterbacks can do with their legs. So I like Alabama and the fact that they are going to be healthier. They've had an extra week off. They didn't have to play in a, in a conference championship game to be able to get beat up. I don't think Clemson got beat up by any means possible. I mean, they just steamrolled Miami in that game, but Alabama's going to be feeling good. I think they're a very talented defense. I think they have, I think the biggest thing for me is they have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who's played in these big time games. He's played in this atmosphere. He's been in the playoffs. He understands what it takes. I think Nick Saban understands what it takes. Kelly Bryant, he's had a good year. He's gotten more accurate each and every game. I thought he played his best game versus Miami. Maybe not running the ball, but passing the ball demonstrated that he is a he is an accurate passer. He can win, but I don't know if he'll be able to shine just like Jalen Hurts will in this game. All right, well, to combat what you just said, okay, Nick Saban, and I'm just going based off feel here because I'm a feel guy. Nick Saban has not been too good in the Sugar Bowl of late. They have lost. Alabama has lost their last two appearances 
inside the Superdome in the All-State Sugar Bowl in 2014. They got beat by Oklahoma, and in 2015, the first year of the college football playoff, oh, excuse me, the second year, I believe, they got beat by Ohio State. My question here is, is Alabama going to be able to slow down Clemson's offense? You know, they're going to have to force turnovers, right? Put Kelly Bryant, as you just said, into situations where he's trying to push the ball downfield, maybe fit it into a tight pocket, and Minka Fitzpatrick picks him off. But most importantly, they're going to have to run the ball against Clemson's great front seven. Can Damian Harrison, Bo Scarborough, force the ball down the middle of the field, get north and south, and and make Jalen Hurts not be their savior because if Clemson puts the game into the hands of Jalen Hurts and makes him throw the football, you just said it, a huge key in this game is containing the quarterbacks. If they can make Jalen Hurts throw the football, boy, this game is in Clemson's favor big time. Also, I think another thing that cannot go unnoticed here is Clemson knows that they can beat Alabama. They've done it just 11 and a half months Ago, A lot of people get into the, oh my gosh, we can't beat Alabama. Alabama's this mighty powerhouse. Clemson says, no, we've done it. We can do it again. I like Clemson's front seven here. I think that's the matchup of the game that tilts it in the Tigers' favor. Their front four can stifle the run game. Their front seven can make Jalen Hurts beat them. And I think Dabo Swinney... And Brett Venables know if they force number two to beat them, number two being Jalen Hurts, Clemson's going to have a great opportunity to win again a play in the national championship game. So I'm here to tell you, Aaron, they are going to make Jalen Hurts beat them, and it won't be enough. Clemson wins the game. Give me the three points, please, and thank you. I think the big game, big big player to watch in this game Minka Fitzpatrick, where is he going to be? I mean, he's probably the best defensive player on the football field for both teams. How involved is he going to be in the pass game, in the run game? When Kelly Bryant takes off the run for that first down, is he going to be there spying him, ready to knock him out? And then Clemson, can they continue to be balanced offensively? They're averaging right now over 200 yards passing, over 200 yards rushing this this season. Really, that's something we're not used to from a Clemson team in the past. I mean, Deshaun Watson, they were heavy pass the ball average 100 120 150 yards rushing it now you have a team that you have to worry about are they going to run the ball are they going to pass the ball is the quarterback going to run the ball so i I like clemson this matchup too i like their defense Uh, they're very dominant front seven Uh, i think they're going to be able to put jalen hurts in the third and long situations where he's going to have to either get a first down with his legs or his arm, which I don't think he can. I think the Clemson defensive front is going to be able to contain him where he's going to get frustrated. He's not going to know And his instinct is, okay, I'm going to go to my first receiver. If he's not there, maybe I'll get down to my back, but really my instinct is to then run his instinct. His second option is one to run. And this Clemson defensive front four is going to do a great job containing him where you're going to see him kind of drop the ball. He's going to drop his eyes. Once he gets off his first and second read and those running lanes for him to take off and run, I just don't think are going to be there against a very talented front seven in Clemson. So that's where I think they'll win this football game. And I think Kelly Bryant has proven week in and week out that he is getting better and more comfortable in this offense. He's ready to take that leadership role on and be wary of him taking off and utilizing his legs in the running game. Cause you saw Jared Sidham Auburn against Alabama utilize his legs, oh, get yeah. some nitty gritty yards 
And he's a great athlete, but he's no Kelly Bryant when he pulls it down and runs. I think he's going to have the ability to get some big plays with his legs and then just be able to make first downs with his arms as well. I think he's going to have a better day than Jalen Hurts at the end of the day based on the fact that he's going to be in a better position to create plays. Like I said, I think Clemson's defense is going to put Alabama in third and long, third and difficult for Jalen Hurts all day long. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it looks like, Aaron, based off of my notes right here, the Punt and Pass podcast has picked the college football playoff semifinal games the same way. We both like Georgia giving two, and we both like Clemson getting three. So that's it, huh? And I guess in, in a week or so, we'll do another episode and preview the national championship game. Yeah, baby. I mean, it's, it's finally here. I'm, oh, I'm excited. Oh, God. Ready to roll. I feel like it's, I mean, there's some good games though. These other games have been going on. have been yeah. really exciting. It's fun to watch. There's some good ones on throughout the weekend for people to tune into. And obviously I, there's some excitement. I know that the, the, the fans and in, in Georgia are going to be tuned into the Falcons to see if they can get that six seed in the playoffs uh, between them and Seattle. So that's going to be a little, little scary, but everyone's going to be tuned into that. And then obviously uh, all these great games going on in college football. So it's going to be a fun weekend. And then, I mean, I think we're all just ready for money to rock and roll to watch these top matchups and and uh, and and see who gets into the playoffs or gets into the championship game. Yeah, no question. Other games this week: Virginia Tech, Oklahoma State, Stanford, TCU, Washington State, Michigan State. Uh, it's just good college football, and I doubt anybody's working really hard leading up to New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and all that ensues with that. So, Aaron, I appreciate your time. Hey, good luck up on CBS in studio, CBS Sports Network. I'm sure everybody will be tuned in and watching you. And thank you, everybody, for continuing to tune in to the Punt and Pass podcast. We are at Punt and Pass on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 and I am at Drew Butler 13. Continue to check back on our Punt and Pass Pick'em League on ESPN.com and look for us next week as we get everyone ready and preview the national championship game, no matter who's in it. But we think it'll be Georgia versus Clemson. So I appreciate your time. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and a very, very happy New Year. For Aaron, I'm Drew. See ya.